Hello and welcome to the Movac podcast series. I'm Sally Round and today I'm talking with Serge Van Dam, one of Movac's operating partners. Now Serge is an organizational psychologist by training and he's passionate about growth in all its manifestations. And he's going to be sharing his thoughts on how to be bold in growing your business, transforming through step change. First of all, is step change a new thing? No, it's not at all, actually. Um, you know, one great example for those who grew up in New Zealand uh, is the Edmunds cookbook. You know, like, if you want to sell more flour, how do you do that? Well, you don't make more flour. You've got to try and find a different way in which customers discover your products and how to use them. Uh, and obviously the genius of Edmunds, which is a very long heritage brand in New Zealand, was distributing a cookbook into every New Zealand household. And, of course, uh, that created a demand for flour and related products. And not surprisingly, they've been a wildly successful business for a very long period of time. So no, the idea of growth hacking and finding step changes is a pretty old one uh, and one that's worked through the ages. The way I think about it is really um, having a different way to grow. That's really how I look at it. So most companies start out, they, ha they get an early uh, level of uh, market fit and market momentum based on a particular strategy around growing. And at some point, that really doesn't scale. So when they take money from uh, external funding or even uh, from other funding sources, but say Movac puts in a whole lot of cash, then they really need to find a different way to grow because the way they were doing it before doesn't actually scale. Uh, and so they need to do something different. And that's when you, when you find the right thing to invest in that really accelerates your growth, that's the step change. Should every business expect to make step change in order to grow? No, it's not necessary for all kinds of businesses to do that. Um, the kind of businesses Movac invests in are typically ones that do want to go global. They want to build really great businesses and want to do so at scale. And typically those kind of companies need to find some level of step change to achieve those missions. Um, of course, that's not universally the case. There are plenty of uh, lifestyle businesses that are wildly successful. There are plenty of businesses that have found a niche and that's protected well by intellectual property and so on, and they may not need to make a step change. But the kind of businesses that Movac invests in typically do. So with technology-based companies, can they get by with incremental growth? Most of them can get by for a while with incremental growth and build successful businesses. There's lots of examples of that. What happens is if you're in a competitive market, you typically will have a lot of well-funded competitors who will eat away at uh, fringe propositions, and so it really constrains your ability to grow. Um, so you can for some time, but in most competitive markets, that becomes pretty challenging. Now, if you're a deep IP business that licenses its intellectual property, that can be a bit different. But most of the companies that we invest in at Movac are typically... Uh, software as a service companies going global in competitive markets. How hard is it to transform in such a way? Is it grueling for the company? Yeah, step change uh, is challenging. I think it's more challenging at a mental level than it is uh, in practice because it basically says the first thing you have to do is acknowledge that the way you're doing things right now doesn't translate to long-term growth in the way that you aspire to have. So you need to come to a realisation that you need to do something different. Now that's very difficult for founders, it's very difficult for anybody really. Um, and I guess from there you've got to say, well, you've got to change the mindset to one of experimentation. There's a, there's a label in the industry called growth hacks. That really means you're trying different ways to grow to see what might actually work. Uh, and then you've got to commit to a couple of things. 
uh, without knowledge that it's going to succeed. So you have, first have to realize the thing you were doing is not going to scale, then you've got to try some things, and then you've got to put some bets uh, on alternative strategies. And of course that's pretty nerve-wracking for founders whose businesses are going really well because you don't actually know whether you're going to get to your destination. And so that that's kind of a new type of risk-taking for most founders. Tell us about businesses that you've worked with that have succeeded in Step Change. Well, I was involved uh, many years ago in a company called Emcom. We were a mobile banking startup out of Auckland. Um, and we sort of realised that kind of selling one bank at a time in New Zealand and Australia was going to be a very painful trajectory. So we uh, essentially bet the entire company on entering the US market and doing so through a distribution partner. Uh, in our case it was a company called Fiserv, which is a NASDAQ listed company that ended up acquiring our business. But we basically bet the whole farm on that as a growth model. So if you think about step change, that's a great example of step change. We lost a little bit of control over our market because we went to the US market through a third party, but we, we hinged our entire business on that. And we went from having something like six customers to two and a half thousand over a sort of five, six year period. So it just gives you, you know, gives, it's a good illustration of what can be achieved through step change. Now we could have got it wrong, of course, and we did some things to mitigate that risk, but that's the sort of thinking that I think is required by many New Zealand startups. Talking about mindset, and you're an organisational psychologist, isn't there a natural fear of making change, particularly huge change, and how can businesses overcome that fear? Yeah, I guess there's a couple of questions in there. One is, is there a fear of change? Everyone fears change, uh, especially in uncertainty, which is exactly what we're I'm advocating for, is making changes that are, have uncertain consequences. Uh, and there is a difference between organisations making those decisions and founders or founding teams making those decisions. I think ultimately, as I said earlier, it really is up to the founders to lead that kind of change, to lead their organisation through uncertainty, to tell people that you are deliberately taking risks but you need to take those risks in order to create the growth aspirations that you have. And again, if you look at the kind of companies that I invest in and Movax invested in, they are companies that declare they want to be a global leader in whatever they're doing. And if you want to do that, then step change is necessary. So taking people along with you is the trick? Yeah, absolutely. So you've got to first come to the conclusion that you're going to make the change and then, yeah, bring them with you and tell them it's okay to make failures along the way. Uh, tell them that you understand it's not all mapped out, it isn't a formula, but that you're doing your, ver your very best to try and achieve the ambitions of the company. And most of the people that have joined these kind of uh, startups or early stage companies really do so entirely on the ambition of the company. They want to work for a going global business uh, that's trying to disrupt a particular marketplace rather than being in a corporate job in a bank or a, you know, an investment house or in a you know, services organisation. They really want to work in a going places global business. I mean I had a recent example where uh, a CEO uh, trying to uh, assess different options uh, in terms of a plan went to all the employees and got them all to rank on a whiteboard what level of risk they wanted to take in terms of which plan they wanted to support and uh, the employees uh, unanimously basically wanted the highest risk option and when I asked them why they said well I, you know, I joined a startup because of the excitement and the uncertainty like if I wanted a predictable job I'd go and work you know in one of the many predictable options uh, around and so I think employees in general when they join these companies they do want the uncertainty and the excitement that comes with it um, the reality is that uh, founders need to be able to communicate the 
why those things are being done, how they align to the mission, and then manage the stakeholders, including us as investors, right? Because you know we we have to go and justify to our investors. You know, there's a whole lot of people who've punted a significant amount of money into Movac, for example. We have to justify why a company may not have done well. Um, but most investors, in my experience, will typically be very supportive if you lost money trying to do something exciting uh, and make a step change versus doing the same thing you've always done. They're much more sympathetic to the former than the latter. So don't underestimate all stakeholders' uh, appetite for risk, is what you're saying? Correct, yeah, and the, and the kind of companies we're talking about, absolutely. I think it's different if you're running a school or something, but in terms of the kind of companies we're in, yeah, I think employees are up for the challenge. I think most investors, certainly early stage investors like myself, absolutely understand. I'd rather have someone die trying than not having tried at all. Um, and then it's just the founders willing to kind of take a punt on doing things differently. How much research should they do before they go for it? I don't think it's a matter of research, unless you consider experiments. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big believer in experimentation and, and being disciplined around the level of resourcing and funding you allocate to experimentation, uh, particularly around growth. You can try, you know, three different things a month and see what happens from them and then determine whether or not you want to do them. You know, should you try a new distribution channel? Should you change your pricing? Should you uh, run an event to see if that's an appropriate way to acquire new customers? Like all of these things are quite doable by these companies. And so to me, it's kind of the experimentation is your research. Um, it shouldn't be desk bound, it should be stuff you do in the wild. How likely is failure? Pretty likely. I mean, the most likely outcome for most of these founders is that it all kind of falls over at some point. But that's why most people don't start businesses. And so I, I think it's important to understand that's what you start with. And actually, the worst thing that can happen is not failure. I mean, my first startup was a dismal disaster. It had no real consequences for me. Uh, and it was the most likely outcome when I started. So, uh, so failure is likely. The question is, how do you do it? What do you learn from it? Um, and of course, everybody knows that second time rounders, people who come from a failed early stage company and do it again, have a very high likelihood of success. So in some ways, it's necessary. But the mindset's the starting point, uh, and then I guess uh, the world's your oyster. Serge Van Damme, thank you very much for sharing those thoughts, and thank you for listening. Join us again for another episode soon in the Movac podcast series. <laughs>